Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. I'm going to continue talking about the Kundalini spirit today and mysticism in the church. This is session two of the Kundalini spirit. I want you to know that I have written a book called Snake in the House. It's about the Kundalini spirit that has infiltrated into the church, not just here in America, but unfortunately, the evangelists, ministers have taken it across the globe. And so I'm going to be revealing some of these um, these preachers and I, I you know you might say well are you accuser of the brethren no I'm accusing the enemy for infiltrating into them too I want them to see the error of their ways and repent you know we all have to stay teachable so hopefully someone will get this into their hands they'll see that there's a problem see the error and also they'll repent and and say Lord forgive me but also ask the people to forgive them also so how has the new age beliefs infiltrated into the church now, the purpose of this teaching is not to teach about these other religions that I'm going to be talking about today. It's going to give you understanding how they have infiltrated into the church because evil, evil coming in is sneaky as a snake. And so if the enemy, if Satan and his cohorts can get into the church, if these demonic spirits can get into the church, these demonic gods can get into the church, then we are going to see them overtake the church. And we don't want that. Um, there's sometimes that people, when these things are revealed, they just say, I'm just not ready for this. In other words, they don't want to repent. They don't want to see the errors of some of the teachers they've been under. They don't want to see some of these places that they've been. They want to stay in their stupor. They want to stay in the demonic forces. To me, I would rather say, Lord, forgive me. I start all over with you. Come into my life, be my God, my Savior, and ask for the Holy Spirit, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, instead of letting that demonic force take over. Now, just because we have Jesus as Lord and Savior, and just because we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we have to understand that we can all be deceived. Every one of us can be deceived by Satan and his fallen angels if we don't pay attention. So we have to know the Word of God so that we can recognize those devils that are lurking around. Now, in 1 Peter 5, 7 through 10 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The Lord cares for you, and he wants you to be free from these things. And verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom they may devour. You know, we are his target as Christians. The tongue-talking Christians, it's, it's, uh, for sure, that is his target. If he can stop us and get us um, deceived, then he's got us, and he's got the church. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of grace hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, we have allowed other religions, other beliefs, especially when COVID happened, to come and to be into the church. Share the pulpit. We're not to do that. Now, this, there's a, this book was written... Uh, uh, contemplative, uh, contemplative mysticism. They say it's a powerful ecumenical bond, and that means promoting all kinds of uh, religions coming to the Christian church. Bothers me that Christians are saying, "Yeah, come one, come all. We'll share. You know, we'll get along with everybody." If you allow another spirit to speak from the pulpit in your church, then you've allowed the enemy to come in. And becomes their ground, not yours anymore. 
And um, Isaiah 47.10 says, For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness, thou hast said, None seeth me, thy wisdom and thy knowledge, it hath perverted thee. Thou hast said in thine heart, I am, and none else beside me. Verse 11, Therefore shall evil come upon thee. Thou shalt not know from whence it riseth, and mischief shall fall upon thee. Thou shalt not be able to put it off, and desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. And verse 12 says, Stand now with thy enchantments and with the multitude of thy sorceries, wherein thou hast labored from the youth. If if so be, thou shalt be able to profit. If so, thou mayest prevail. In other words, there's people that have, have allowed this to come in. And unfortunately, we're talking about the church now. We're not talking about the world. Verse 13 through 15 says, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, in other words, the psychics, stand up and have these things that shall come upon thee. Behold, they shall be as stubble. These churches that have allowed this to come in and overtake them, they're going to be as stubble according to the word of God. The fire, the fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit before it. Thus shall they be unto thee with whom thou hast labored, even thy merchants from thy youth. They shall wander every one to his quarter, and none shall save thee. Now, there's some of these churches... They do what they call passing through the fire. Is this really scriptural? Is this something that God really wants to happen? Well, let's see. In Second Chronicles 33, 1 through 4, it says, Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. But did that which it was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto abominations of the heathen, whom the Lord hath cast out before the children of Israel. He did evil. You know, his father was not an evil man, but this one took over, and he was very, very evil. For he built again the high places which Hezekiah, his father, had broken down. See, Hezekiah came in, tore it all down. Then this one comes in, his son takes over, and he puts it all back up. He reared up altars for Balaam and made groves and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. Also, he built altars in the house of the Lord, where the Lord has said, In Jerusalem shall be my name forever. He was trying to take over where Jesus was supposed to be. Uh, and he caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with a familiar spirit with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. And he set a carved image, the idol which he had made in the house of God, which God had said to David and to Solomon his son, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen before all the tribes of Israel, will I put my name forever. He was trying to replace Jesus, he was trying to replace the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was trying to replace God. Uh, he was trying to say, I'm coming in and I'm going to destroy you, the creator of all things. I'm going to destroy you and I'm going to overtake it with the evil, with the sorcerers and enchantments and so forth. So then I say he made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen. See, that's what the enemy wants to come in. He wants to come into the church and say, I'm going to cause you to err, and I'm going to cause you to do worse than the heathen. That's his goal. And unfortunately, in many churches, he's winning. Worse than the heathen, heathen whom the Lord hath destroyed before the children of Israel. Now, we're going to watch a little quick little video. This was a, a, a tunnel, a fire tunnel. Let's just see what you think about that, knowing that we're talking about the Kundalini spirit. Turn it down.
You see the Kundalini happening as these people are laying hands on people as they're walking through this fire tunnel? You know, the evil king, the evil king did this. So we're going to allow this to come into our church, causing his sons, daughters to pass through the fire. It's not the fire of the Holy Spirit, I can tell you. to what they call the holy laughter, which is not of God. I'll get into that another time. Now, let's watch a Hindu fire throwing festival. lie the enemy has placed in us as Christians. They're doing it. They're throwing torches. They're throwing fire. They're doing the same thing physically as we do what we call spiritually. Allowing man to suddenly lay hands on others. In Deuteronomy 18, 19 through 12, 9 through 12 says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord God hath given thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. We're not to do what other nations, in other words, other evil spirits, other religions are doing. So they started this fire tunnel years ago, and it's just continued to increase in thinking it's all God, it's the Holy Spirit, and it's awesome. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. For all that do these things are what? An abomination unto the Lord. That's the, Lord's, that's the most horrible thing that you can do to God is an abomination unto him. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive him out before thee. Get your microphone. So all these things that are abomination to the Lord, because these abominations the Lord thy God hath drove them out from before thee. And then in 1 Timothy 5.22 says, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. You don't just let a bunch of people just lay hands on you either. And that's what they were doing. Yes, sir. Just wanted to note that when it says pass through the fire, mm-hmm. that's not just waving them through some flame. That is putting them on the hands of Moloch, yes. the There's cow double god, meanings. and burning them and cooking yes. them. There's double meanings here. I'm trying to show what this is doing in the spirit. Because even like they were throwing the, uh, the tortures, you know, those, those Hindus were throwing tortures at them. That's their religion. When they go through the fire, they're just doing an enactment. They're doing a prophetic act of the same thing. They're passing their children through the fire. And that's what the bowl worshippers did. That's what he's saying. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Hinduism, and this is the main religion of India and others, um, you know, the, uh, Malaysia and things like that, which includes the worship of many gods and the belief that after you die, you return to life in a different form. They believe in reincarnation and that kind of thing. And there's millions of gods and goddesses. I don't know how, I guess, I don't know how they keep up. I, I, it's just ridiculous. 
Um, there's three, 33 core or 330 million, which is 10 million gods. And I'm sure that number has gone way up since I did this, this picture here before. Um, so I'm just saying, you know, the, the scriptures talk about the third of the angels fall. <laughs> just asking, could that be the fallen angels? Mm-hmm. I think that's who they're worshiping. In Hinduism, religion where a multitude of gods and goddesses are worshipped, uh, the supreme power rests with the Trinity. They call the Trinity. They have a Trinity. It's not our God. Uh, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, they're worshipped in various incarnations. Uh, we, we, uh, we took this picture when we went to Malaysia several years ago, and the Trimurti, which is the Hindu Trinity. Now, this is one of their main gods, Brahma. It's one of the three main Hindu gods that he's known as the creator. He has four heads. Four arms, who cares, but whatever. Uh, Vishnu was part of their, their trinity, the preserver. Again, he's bluish. He rests on a snake. Hmm. So that ought to give you a you know, good idea what's going on. And uh, there's, um, oh, he has nine times he is born with an animal as an animal or a human, and he has nine times with one more still to come. Shiva, that's the destroyer or the transformer. Matted hair, third eye, blue throat, okay, has a spear in his hand. And then this is uh, one of their, their um, main gods that they worship, and also another elephant. We'll talk about him later too. But I want you to remember this picture because uh, at the end of this talk today, you will have more clear understanding why I wanted you to know about this. Indras this is the leader of the divas or gods and the lord of heaven in the Hindu religion. He's the god of rain and thunderstorms. He uses a lightning bolt and rises on a white elephant, and his home is situated in Mount Muru in the heaven. So remember that. That's where he's located. These are the top ten Hindu gods. See that little elephant at the top in the middle? Uh, that's one of the main ones that's worshipped. Ganesha. He's recognized as the elephant god riding a mouse. Um, isn't he cute? Don't you want to have that in your home? Don't you want to go on Amazon and say you want that little trinket? No, you don't. If you have any of these Hindu gods because they're real colorful and they're pretty and, you know, they're like little trinkets, or if you've gone to India, if you've gone to Malaysia, you've gone to these places and, and brought back these type of things, these Hindu gods, because you wanted to bring back something from the country, you need to break it and burn it right now. Go out and burn it. Destroy it. Because you've just given allegiance to your home because of what you brought into the home. Uh, so recognized as the elephant riding God, God riding a mouse. He's worshipped as the God of wisdom, knowledge, and health. The God worshipped first before any prayers and rituals. That's who they go to. Shiva is the most powerful deity in Hindu religion. He represents death, has different avatars, and so forth. Uh, Krishna, you've heard that. You know, don't name your child Krishna. You know, as a Christian, why do you do that? I've met some. Change your name. Change your name. Why would you do this? Why would you name any of your children, Christians, name any of your children these demonic forces? Why would you do that, these demonic gods? Uh, of all the avatars of Lord Vishnu, he's the most worshipped and closest to the masses. That's the one that most um, even Christians recognize, Krishna. He's worshipped as a blue-skinned deity who adores the hearts of many, of course, and changed the way Indian people, Indian folklore was. Remember the movie Avatar? Same thing, what they were doing there. Uh, they, were, they had this energy that's pulsating in and through all forms of life. Very new age, very mystical. Uh, they worshipped Mother Earth, right? Uh, healing was an act of the community called upon the divine. Uh, everyone needs to be trained in attunement to the spirit in nature. 
very, very, I mean, we have these mystics out there and even people that are calling themselves Christian mystics teaching this to the body of Christ. It's time to stop. It's time for us to wake up and realize the error of our ways and the error that we've brought into the church. And I say if you're in that type of thing, get out and repent now in Jesus' name. Let your eyes be open to the spirit of truth. The truth will make you free. The truth will make you want to do the right thing. Ask for the truth of God, and he will reveal it to you. Yes, it's a time of processing and letting it go, letting it, setting it aside, and you don't, you, know, you don't feel good because you're having to mourn of this demonic spirit. I say mourn and get over it. Amen. Rama is the, the embodiment of truth, they say, of morality, ideal, husband, whatever. I mean, can you just see what they're, they're trying to say? These are kind of cool. I mean, Christians, you don't know your Bible. You don't know what's evil. You don't even know what sin is. That's the problem. And so it takes someone like me and others, I'm not saying just me, but I'll just talk about myself here, that has to come in and give what's good and moral in the sight of the Lord. I have to say, this is truth and this is not truth. Right? Uh, He said that he's the perfect example of chivalry and virtue. He's known to be the ideal man, not mine. Uh, Hanuman, uh, he was a mighty ape. Mm. Um, they says he was expedition of finding Sita. Uh, Sita is she's esteemed as a standard standard setter for wifely and womanly virtues and for all Hindu women. I mean, they have to worship so many gods, and they have to know what this god does. It's, it's kind of like sorry, it's kind of like Catholics. You worship this um, saint and that saint, and then we get into. New Age, they worship this, this angel that does this and this angel that does this. It's all the same. It's all the same God. Uh, worshiped as a symbol of perseverance, has physical strength. Vishnu, peace-loving, they say, um, uh, is part of the Hindu trinity. Uh, he says he has order, righteousness. No, he doesn't, in truth. Uh, is known to have earthly incarnations. Like Sheba. Goddess of wealth and prosperity, and chanting her name brings good luck to her worshipers. So they just chant her name over and over and over again. Uh, she sits on the lotus flower that represents beauty, purity, and so, you know, the Hinduisms, and also now even in Christianity, people love that lotus flower. And then you go to yoga, and then you go to even some of these churches where we have the Christian yoga in the church, and they have all these, uh, lo- these uh, uh, lotus pic- uh, flowers around and things. Uh, Durga is protector of righteous and destroyer of evil. Um, Durga, now, remember this word, Shakti. Durga is the active side of the divine Shakti, which is the energy of the Lord Shiva, because this Shakti is supposed to destroy evil. So remember that word, because you're going to hear it from a so-called Christian minister before long. She's the mother goddess and represents the fiery powers of gods. Uh, Kali... Uh, Kali, dark goddess, is the fearful and ferocious side of the goddess Durga. Now, we have um, yeah, we have a VP that this is what her name means. So I just want to let you know. And this is represented with some of the fiercest features among all deity and is known to be the goddess of destruction. And standing on a man. I'm just telling you this is truth. And this is what's in our White House. 
Saraswati, goddess of learning and wisdom and the worship for her free flow of wisdom and consciousness, blah, blah, blah. So are you confused? Because it'll be very confusing to you. And I don't like to do this kind of stuff, but I had to bring some truth as to what's going on in the church. For God's not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. And that's what's supposed to be into our church. Now, the Shaktis, remember, these are the female aspects of of the Kundalini and also the, the demonic forces and the demonic gods and goddesses of Hinduism. The Shakti is responsible for creation, is also the agent of all change. The Shakti is the cosmic existence as well as liberation, its most significant form being the Kundalini Shakti. So remember this. What is the Kundalini going to do? Why, it's going to be responsible for the change that's going to take place through the person. Now, these terms in Hinduism, you've heard about the bindi. It's just that bright dot of red color applied to the center of the forehead. Sometimes it's jewelry that people wear. Now, the area between the eyebrows is where they put this bindi. Uh, it's placed, it's said to be the, the sixth chakra, because see what they want to do is they want to open up the, all the chakras in you so that kundalini can overtake you. That's the goal. Uh, the seat of the concealed wisdom, that's why they put it here right in the middle of the forehead or the third eye. The bindi is said to retain energy and strength, concentration. It's also said to protect against demons or bad luck, and all it does is open it up. Uh, the bindi also represents the third eye. Uh, bindi is created to means to worship one's intellect. It's used by both men and women. Uh, they say it's to use to ensure your thoughts, your speech, your actions, your habits. Uh, also, ultimately, they want to, it wants to... They want to get you to where it takes over so that you can be ultimately change your character and you'll be pure. And what the devil wants to do is suffocate you and kill you and put you into the fiery pit. That's what he wants. If they say it's supposed to help to make one make noble decisions in life and so forth. They do this for meditation. Uh, it's the spot between the eyebrows is where one focuses his or her sight so that it helps their concentration, they say. And most images of Buddha or Hindu divinities in meditative pose with their eyes nearly closed shows the gaze focused between the eyebrows. So if you'll notice even some of these, um, these you know, Hindu gods and goddesses that we had like little trinkets, a lot of times their eyes are half closed. Uh, they're trying to open up the chakra. The, the, what they're doing is they're putting this cum-cum uh, or the sandalwood paste is applied between the eyebrows. They say it's for respect of the inner guru. It's the guru's seat. In other words, it's the third eye that's going to try to open up for overtake you. There is a chakra, the center of spiritual energy with human body called here the uh, adnia, <laughs> the chakra meaning command center. Uh, have you received the guru's command to go higher in the spiritual practice to the, to the seventh and final chakra, which leads to self-realization? No. We're not going to do this, but that's what their goal is. That's what Hinduism is. That's what Buddhism is. And you see now even more and more um, Hollywood people, they're sitting in the, the lotus position. They're also uh, meditating, right? And they're holding their fingers together, and they're trying to show that this is the way to have peace. This is the way to get closer to God and so forth. When it's all it is, it's overtaking them, and they want it to overtake you. Uh, the flame seen at the top there is seen as the eyebrows called the Guru Jodi. Now they do this, they chant the Om. Om. Right? Om. That's supposed to open up the pineal gland, right? Uh, it says it vibrates and it starts to slither like a snake. 
which is what the kundalini is. Now, in Matthew 6, 7, and 8 says, But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for the much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. You know, you've heard the story, some of you, but I'll tell it again because it's very fitting. I like to go to water aerobics, and um, I would go to uh, the sauna afterwards to go in there, and men and women can go into the sauna where the gym I go to. And when I walked in this one particular day, this guy was sitting in the lotus position, you know, with his fingers together, and he was chanting. As soon as I sat down in there, by the way, he started chanting, Om, with his eyes, you know, almost almost closed um and i thought i don't be in here with this and i started to get up and walk out and i just went nah i'm running him out so i started pretty soon his eyes kind of open up and he goes um and he gets louder so i get louder and i start praying in tongues even louder Pretty soon, he just stops what he's doing. He grabs his towel, gets up, and walks out. And I never saw him at the gym again. Praise God. I thought, I'm going to run this devil right out of here. This is my place. (laughs) I'm going to sit in here and sweat. (laughs) Now, the Kundalini spirit. This is like a snake that's wrapped around the spine. Uh, And Acts 16, 16 says, And it it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now, according to the Dakes Bible, the spirit of divination is from the Greek word uh, pythias, which means python. So it's a spirit of python. What do pythons do? They choke the breath out of you. And that's what the kundalini wants to do. It wants to slither like a snake, wants to go up the spine, and as you open up the chakras... Eventually, they say you'll become a god, right? That's what they want you to say, trying to say you'll become a god. No, you'll die. You will die because it'll choke the life right out of you. You'll go crazy. Now, it all has to do with yoga. And so we've had yoga come in uh, to America. We've had also acupuncture, all these type of things that are... that are from the foreign gods, right, the evil gods, and we're allowing our, our people to do these kinds of things, well, took a pain away. I don't care. Repent. Ask the Lord to heal you. Ask the Lord to take the pain away. Get a believer to lay hands on you, anoint you with oil. That's his job. Not praying to some other deity out there. Not, allow, not asking them to open up, you know, the chakras or open up and come in and take over you. And try to suffocate you and bring demonic spirits into your life. No, that's not what we're supposed to do. Now, the yoga, it's the, the, the chakra is called the third eye. It's the center that's connected with the sacred syllable, Om. Other activations of the center of the candidate overcomes um, the ego, they say, of the in, or the sense of the individual. And as they say, it's the last hurdle that you get to when you can open that third eye and then you'll be on the path of spirituality. So even as Christians, I said this last time, make sure that you're watching the words that you say. Because even if you say they're very spiritual, be careful. I mean, I could know what you mean. But at the same time, we have to watch what we're saying. Why don't you say, they're a mighty believer in Jesus Christ. 
Wow, that's such a great Christian. She loves the Lord. Why don't we say that? You know, I'm very spiritual. That could be mysticism. That could be new age. Or they had great spirituality. Be careful. Now, uh, there's no such thing as Christian yoga. Uh, Yoga trains the mind to empty itself. So if you're being trained wherever you go, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, the contemplative type prayer. If you're, going to, if you're being trained to empty your mind, that means deception. Now, in Christian yoga and even also other yoga, some teach astral projection or stepping outside the body. Uh, what about yoga that's, this is the, the taught, what's, what's taught at most gyms? They do this kind of thing. And these are commonly used words and poses opposing to God's word that we're showing here in a minute. Uh, uh, namaste, namaste, often said at the close of yoga classes means I bow to the God within you. So even in the Christian church, they're doing this. Or if you join a class at a gym and, or somewhere else and you're going to go to yoga because you like the stretching, it's not stretching. You're bowing to another God. And then when you say namaste, then you're bowing to their God. Om chanted in many yoga classes meant to bring students into a trance, and that's what they want to get you to, too. They want you to blank your mind. So we have Christians that are there at these prayer centers. They're doing um, blanking their minds, right? They're, they're staring into candles, all kinds of things to blank their mind, and they're doing contemplative or centering top prayers, which is not of God. So if you've done that, you need to repent, too. Um, they start saluting to the sun, Sun God, their posture is used at the beginning of most classes, pays homage to the Hindu sun God. Here's some of the sun salutations to the sun God. Uh, uh, down dog, whatever they're called. I don't even know what they're called anymore. I, yeah, but anyway, these are some of the poses that they do. They're just stretching. No, they're not. These are actual poses that they do to salute homage to their sun God. Uh, the Hindu sun god is Sura. So the Lord is telling you, don't be deceived, children. Don't be deceived, my daughters and my sons, in the name of Jesus. Don't be deceived. Open up your mind and see the truth. I cancel the demonic forces right now. They're trying to say, oh, that's nothing. I'm just stretching. I say, in the name of Jesus, you stop right now and have your eyes open and see the truth. I command that dumb death spirit in the name of Jesus, to get out of them right now. I command that slumber spirit to get out of them right now so they'll have the spirit of truth come to them. Repent from your ways. Repent from these things that you have done. Yoga is not connected to Christianity. Acupuncture is not connected to Christianity. All these kinds of things that you're doing are worshiping and giving homage and bowing to another god. Today is your day to repent. Today is your day to start over with the Lord. Say, Lord, I repent from my evil, wicked ways. And fall on your face and say, Lord, forgive me today. Forgive me, I did not know. But now I know. And I'll not go back serving another God. In Ephesians 5, 18, 19 through 21 says, And be not drunk with wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns of spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Do you have the reverent fear of the Lord? 
Because if you have the reverent fear of the Lord, you should be crying right now and say, Lord, forgive me. I did not know. Don't try to stay in it because you just want to follow some minister out there that you like how they do things. Or I felt the presence of God. No, you didn't. You felt the presence of the seductive spirit that came in and seduced you. That's what you felt. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34 says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness. And that's what I'm saying. Awake up. Righteousness needs to come in and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. I know this is a grieving process. I understand. And I have kicked that devil out of so many people that demonic, fallen angels really what it is. It's a very evil, seductive spirit. Same thing with the Shekinah. That's an evil spirit. That's a fallen angel that wants to come in and seduce you. I know that this information has caused some of you to take a look at deception and realize that you were deceived, and that's my goal. That's my heart. I want the church to realize the deception that's out there that's coming in. It's time to ask forgiveness. It's time to be delivered and set free, and the Lord will heal your heart and your mind. It's better to know the truth and walk in obedience with God. Now, what I encourage you to do right now is write down all the ministries you've been involved with, her new apostolic reformation, dominion now, kingdom now, lying signs and wonders, or any person who had had laid hands on you that were involved with these things, pray for you, or in contact, whether it's by giving an offering or attending a conference or a meeting, reading a book, or any such thing that was an abomination unto our God, Jesus Christ, the living one. We are, this is not, I don't know what happened, but there is supposed to be Another video, but that's okay. We'll be able to get in the next one. So say this prayer with me. Repeat after me. And be serious. Those of you that are watching online, be serious with God right now. Say, Lord, if she's speaking any kind of truth, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this because I want to be free. I want to know the truth. Do you want the truth? This is what is wrong with the Christian church right now. I thought everybody would want truth. And I found out, no. Truth hurts. There really is a truth truth to that. Truth hurts. But once you get healed of that truth, when that truth comes in, wow, you're a new person, you're a new creation in Christ, you can see things clearly, and that's what he wants. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, the true Savior and King of the world, the righteous judge, Forgive me for being deceived. I renounce and ask forgiveness for allowing the Kundalini spirit in me or any other New Age occultic spirit. I now everybody take your hand, your right hand, and you're going to sever this ungodly tie. And I sever ungodly ties with me. Cleanse me now from this abominable sin. Open up my eyes, Lord. Open my ears so that I have spiritual understanding to discern good and evil. And then mean this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Be free today. Give the Lord praise because he's just freed you. Hallelujah. I encourage you to come to train the prophets. 
This is going to be April the 21st to the 24th right here at our church in Plano, Texas. Sign up. Because if you're supposed to be a prophet, you need to know how to speak righteousness. You need to know how to teach righteousness. It's not about just prophesying. Matter of fact, if you're just prophesying, your ministry will be short-lived. It will be short-lived. You need to know how to be a minister. And then there's those of you who are watching say, well, I'm not called to be a prophet, but I want a minister. You're supposed to come to this. Now, it's April the 21st to the 24th. Go to traintheprophets.com and sign up, or Prophecy Club and sign up. Also, if you go to Train the Prophets, start watching the teachings that are there. See if there's a calling on your life to be a prophet. If you're supposed to be a prophet, come to this. If you're supposed to be a minister, come to this. And by the way, we're all supposed to be ministers preaching some kind of gospel to the body of Christ and also out there in the world right now. So come and be trained. Come and be equipped. That's what the Lord wants you to do. And that's April the 21st. That's the first day. That's registration. There's also a sign-up to uh, do, make your own anointing oil that day and then stand and speak that night. Then the actual training starts on the 22nd. But we'll actually be here on the 21st. There's different things you can learn at the Train the Prophets, how to lead someone to the Lord, how to, to pray for others to be, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what your strengths, what your weaknesses are, how to prophesy accurately, how to minister accurately, how to give the word of knowledge accurately, how to get anointing for healing, how to do deliverance, how to teach a message from the prophet, also how to take an offering, how to hear from the Lord, how to anoint that transfer for dreams and visions will be imparted into you. Now that's just some of the things that we'll do. And for the church here, if you have not signed up, you need to sign up. There's a special uh, a price for you guys if you are here at the church. See Sharonda for the details and sign up quickly. And for those of the church, if you've not signed up and you want to be part of that uh, making your own anointing oil, you need to sign up very quickly too. Also become a ministry member. You can find that by clicking on the link below and fill that out. Also, if you like this, click on like and then share and subscribe. And again, you can give by clicking on the link below. If you have a question, contact at spiritprophecychurch.com and we'll answer your questions. God bless you. Well, welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church. So happy that you joined us this morning. Uh, it's a beautiful day in Plano. If you're ever in our area, please come. Please come and join us for our church. Uh, we have services at 930 and 1030. Also, Bible studies on Friday nights at 630 to 8 p.m. But I must say, for Bible study, Bible study will be canceled till April the 1st. Um, or there's, we aren't going to be able to meet until then. So I guess April Fool's Day, we get to start back up the Bible study. And that's on Friday, April the 1st at 6.30. So I encourage you to join us online, but also to come and be a part of the Bible study. And then our church service really does start at 9.30 a.m. Uh, please make sure that you start um, watching us at 9.30 because if you don't, you miss a lot of great teachings. I just talked on the Kundalini Spirit this morning at 9.30. I'll be doing also the main service uh, to continue to talk on the Kundalini Spirit. All right, so a couple of no announcements. Next Saturday for you, church, uh, make sure that you set your clocks an hour ahead. We're going to spring forward because that's the daylight savings time uh, so that you're not late for church, all right? We're still going to have a 9.30 service, so make sure you set your clocks forward because we will, you will miss it. Um, also, we're going to have Passover. We're already signing up for Passover for um, April the 15th. And I think Scarlett, my helper here, let me see which one you have. Okay. So this gold um, 
this gold clipboard will be just to put your name down if you're going to attend for Passover. That's on the April the 15th. Yeah. So, Freddie, can you take this? Can you take this for me? And hand that around. Let me see this one. Also, Passover for April the 15th. Uh, it'll be from 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. Because we'll eat at sundown. But there's uh, some teachings and also just fellowshipping time together. Uh, that's April the 15th, 5.30 to 8.30. It's so important as Christians that we still celebrate, especially Passover. That's one we don't want to miss. Um, it's not a requirement from God, you know, we're, but it's, it's, it's one of those times that as a church that we come together and every, every year that we've done the Passover together as a church, you know, there's such a unity that comes in. We all get so much more connected. And it's, it's good to remember what the Passover was all about. It's a representation. It's a representation of what we need to, um, to look forward to again. Jesus is our lamb. He's our Passover. All right, so the, this other clipboard, this pretty purplish blue one, that's to sign up for what you're going to share and bring on Passover. All right, Scarlett, can you take this, this down for me? You can hand it over there to Mr. Brandon. I uh, just also want to encourage you to come to Train the Prophets. That's April the 21st. That's, well, that's when we register and also have the oil-making class, anointing oil-making class. And also Pastor Stan will be speaking that evening. And then the schooling starts on April the 22nd to the 24th. So if you're a minister or if you have a prophetic call on your life, I encourage you to come to that. All right, Scarlett, you can take that down there now. Thank you. All right, go ahead and let's stand. Let's get our prayer service going. This, I mean, our church service going this morning. <clears throat> let's raise our hands and bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that everything be done decently and in order. Lord, we ask for those that cannot be with us today or those that are watching online, if there's anyone that is needing you for, uh, if they've lost a loved one, we ask that the Holy Spirit come to comfort them. Lord, if any of them watching or anyone here has sickness in their body, we ask that you heal them right now. Touch them. Touch them right where they are. Lord, you're the divine healer. You're our great physician. You're the one that can touch us and heal us. And we just take authority over that evil spirit, the spirit of infirmity, and command it to get out of everyone that is suffering right now in Jesus' name. Lord, those that need provision... Financial provision. You're the God that has created all things. Everything belongs to you. You know what every person of your children, what they have need of. And we ask that you give them that provision. Lord, we desire right now, we call forth that we're going to be the head and not the tail anymore in Jesus' name. We're going to be bold and we're not going to be weak anymore in Jesus' name. We are going to be examples and testimonies for you in the name of Jesus in the workplace. Lord, I ask that you continue, you continue to give provision to your children. Give them raises. Also, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus that you give them favor wherever they may go. And let them see the hand of the Lord upon them. Lord, bless this service today. Bless it. 
Lord, let us have ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying today. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Offering. Microphone. All right. How's everybody doing this morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. We got some live people in here. Amen. All right. So I just wanted to come up here, uh, have the privilege before you all to talk about the heart and to talk about the heart, especially in giving. Right. So the the importance of the heart, you have to have a specific position whenever you're giving. Amen. Let's talk a little bit about King Saul real quick. King Saul was anointed by God as the first king over Israel, right? And, and there was a time in his life where God gave him so much favor, and he said, okay, those people, um, you know, the Amalekites, I want you to go and conquer them. However, when you go, slay every single man, woman, child, everything under the sun over there, right? Even the cattle. What did he do? That's right. He saved. Right. So he went there. He took the king. He said, all right, I took the king captive, uh, slayed everybody, like you said, God. But for the cattle, I'm going to give this cattle to my people, to my my troops that helped me win this victory. Amen. And what happened was he took that that cattle, the, the best of the cattle, and he sacrificed it unto the Lord. And that is the exact time that he lost favor with God. Very interesting. And let's fast forward the time with King David, the man after God's heart. King David, there was something that King David did against God. He sinned in God's eyes, right? And there was a, a, an opportunity for him. He said, God, my heart, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm asking you for forgiveness. And so God gave him three things that he could choose from. Each one was a severity, a different severity. But he ended up choosing the last one because he said, I don't want any man to take any advantage over me or or my people. So let's go ahead and let's have God afflict this country on behalf of whatever I've done wrong. So that was three days of a plague. So that ensued, 70,000 of of the Israelites passed away. And, you know, his heart was grieved. So he went to this place with a threshing floor. He bought it from the servant and the servant even offered him cattle to, to sacrifice unto God. And what did David do? He said, don't give that to me for free. Ask or give me a price. I need to pay for it. Because sometimes with giving, giving is a sacrifice, right? It should be a sacrifice pleasing and acceptable to God. Sometimes it costs us more than other times, right? And it should cost us because what did God do for, for us? He sent his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. We were bought at a price, and that price was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So here today, we have the opportunity to be leaders. We have the opportunity to be leading other people by the way that we give. So remember the price on the cross that was paid for you. Remember that position in your heart. Because God says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Amen? Right? So it's all about relationship. When you know your God... And he knows you, and he is your Lord and Savior. We're able to freely give and have that sense of liberty in our life. Amen? 
So today, let's let's give. We have a couple of baskets down here. Um, this one is for tithe and offering. Um, this one's for missions. So as as you feel led, uh, pray about it and give generously because God sees what we do in secret. Amen. So let's go ahead and we can go ahead and proceed if, if you guys have any offerings up here. In the Old Testament, he commanded us to give. In the New Testament, you say give freely, not begrudgingly or of necessity. In the Old Testament, you killed people if they committed adultery. But in the New Testament, you say go and sin no more. And Lord, so we know that we don't have to give. We give because we love you. We give because we believe you. When you said that we could test you, if you would not open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing and not be room enough to receive. So Lord, first of all, I want to ask that you bless these these offerings, specifically, I ask that you bless the ones for the, the missions and then also the Spirit of Prophecy Church because our heart is to give to build your kingdom because it's not just an American kingdom. It's a global kingdom. And we want to be building that kingdom around the world. We ask these would receive, be received by the right people <clears throat> and do that thing that needs to be done for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Which, by the way, you can give online, too. Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you for today. Today is a day of newness. Today is new, and we are, are pleased to be living uh, for today. We are pleased also to be um, to be one body in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we also are thank you for everything that you have given us. And may we also give freely back unto you with a grateful heart. And I just pray, Father God, that you would bless all of these offerings and position our heart to receive more from you. We thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Can we have the body and blood up here, please? So first, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to bless this, and then I'll talk about it after we, uh, as we hand it out. So, Lord, this is grape juice and unleavened bread, and it's in a fancy, modern way to distribute it. But we know that this represents your body and your blood, and we ask you to bless it and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as they distribute that, <clears throat> each year on the day of atonement and only on the day of atonement the high priest was commanded to take a goat and to they cut the throat of that goat and they caught the blood in a golden bowl and they took that golden bowl into the holy of holies once and only once a year was the priest allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, which is a golden-covered chair, the throne of God. And it was such a big deal that they put bells, the Bible did not, or the God did not tell them to do this, but they put bells all around the bottom of his garment so that as he walked, it would make noise, and they could hear that he was still moving. And 
We did not tell him to do this either, but they then took a rope and they tied it around his ankle. So as he's in there, if he was not clean enough, God would strike him dead. He would fall dead. And that way they could pull the rope out and not have to go in and get him out. That's how big a deal it is. Leviticus 16:14 says that he was to take this golden blow, bowl and dip his finger in it and sprinkle it before the mercy seat eastward. Okay, so I want you to get this picture. It's yay wide. He was to sprinkle it on the one side, specifically the eastward side, seven times. So he sprinkles this blood on there. Every year this happens. And this was to wash the sins of a nation away. Well, 600 years before Jesus was nailed to that cross, before that cross was dropped into the cross hole, before Jesus had the spear going to his side and blood come out, blood and water, 600 years before that event, God had arranged for Jeremiah to go in underneath the tunnel and to put that Ark of the Covenant there. According to Ron White, that cavern was then filled with stones. He said, now why he filled it with stones, I do not know. Well, my guess is, just in case it began to cave in, it would protect the Ark. That's my guess. But it was big stones. To fill. So it was the Ark of the Covenant filled with big stones, and there was some other things, the table of showbread and things like that. But then the Ark of the Covenant was placed into this huge stone box. Now, he said the lid of the Ark of the Covenant was 600 pounds of pure gold. Took two angels to lift it off. He said, I couldn't even come close to lifting this off. Inside of that lid, there was the temple. There, there was the box, stone box, containing the Ten Commandments. He said that's all he found, just the Ten, ten Commandments. He did not find the, uh, the, 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 the Aaron's rod. He did not find any manna in there. Anything. All the thing he found was just ten, two Ten Commandments. So he says the angel lifted it off. Now, what he, when he found it, he said what was interesting is this whole thing that probably stood in the ballpark of like six, I'm just guessing, six foot tall in a giant stone box. But when Jesus was crucified, God had arranged that Ark of the Covenant to be under that cross specifically, not an inch off specifically in the right place. The cross hole in the right place. The cross in the right place. The sword going exactly in the right place so that when that blood came out, it ran down and it dripped. The Bible says that the rocks were rent because there was an earthquake in the, during that time. And he said that blood went right down that crack, right through that solid rock, and then it came down. He said when it was in the chamber... He said, I looked up and he said, I saw this brown stuff. I don't know what it was. He said, then I, I looked and I saw it was dripping on top of the stone box. He said, I could see that the lid of the stone box had been cracked exactly where that blood was dripping. This is all just accident, right? Or the finger of God. 
So what that tells us is that God planned this 600 years before, right? Wrong. Wrong. God planned this before he said, let there be light. This was He knew the end from the beginning, Isaiah 45.10 says. He already knew exactly where the blood would come, where it would hit the ground, where it would go down through the crack, where it would go down through the crack on the Ark of the Covenant. So it would land on the mercy seat westward. Because on the east side is the blood of goats. On the west side, it's the blood of the Messiah. He said, so I saw some of that blood. He said, I scraped it in one of those little, you know, you, you get film in those little containers. He said, scraped it up in the container, took it to, I believe he said Galbraith Laboratories. He said, they put it in a, a saline solution and swirled it for 24 hours to let it reconstitute. Then he said, tell me what it is. Well, you tell us. He said, no, no, you tell me what it is. And they said, well, we saw this. This is blood. It's human blood. But it's still alive. The summitids are still alive. 2,000-year-old blood is still alive because he has the keys of hell and death. No one took his life. He laid it down. He took it up. God arranged for that sword, that blood, that crack, the crack in the stone box to fall in the mercy seat westward exactly and perfectly so that we could be here this day to receive it. That's what this is. This is the most powerful thing in human existence. This is the thing. This is the door. Jesus said, I am the door. No man comes to his father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am, there's no other man, there's no other name under heaven whereby man may be saved. He is the mediator. There is one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. That's what this is. This is the blood representative that washes our sins away that heals us and that's what we're about to do today so as we peel this lord we ask you to forgive our sins forgive our sins as we take this we ask you to wash us clean and they all ache then We open up the grape juice representing the blood of Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we receive this as your blood in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is going to be session three about the Kundalini spirit and some of the mysticism and New Age teaching that's going on in the church. Doesn't matter whether it's Presbyterian, doesn't matter whether it's Baptist, doesn't matter whether it's charismatic, doesn't matter whether it's non-denominational. Uh, all the churches, all the church, it doesn't matter whether it's even Catholic for those that even call themselves Christians. It's in all churches here in America and abroad. And unfortunately, even abroad, um, many of the ministers have taken it across the, across the globe, this Kundalini spirit, also the Shekinah glory spirit, which is not of God. So I'm going to talk today about the kundalini and some of the other things associated with kundalini that's happening and the mysticism that's been brought into the church. So we'll start off first with what's contemplative prayer or contemplative prayer. It's been, it's, you can pronounce it both ways. Um, I looked it up. 
So I know that it can't be. But contemplative type prayer, what is that? Because there also are prayer centers that are teaching people as they go in to blank out their mind or centering prayer, which is what contemplative prayer is all about. Contemplative prayer guide. There says, choose a sacred word or sacred breath as a focus. And this is in the Christians. This is what the Christians are doing. Just choose a sacred word or a sacred breath as a focus. What about the om? Right? Uh, that's not a Christian. I sit in silence, comfortably, eyes closed, settle briefly, and silently introduce the sacred word. In other words, I want you to blank your mind, then think of only one word. And sometimes people's sacred word might be money. Uh, when engaged with your thoughts, return ever so gently to the sacred word. And at the end of the prayer period, remain in silence, eyes closed, for a couple of minutes. So what they're trying to get you to do is to visualize which is a new age term, which is also what they do is Hinduism, Buddhism, all the things of the occultic type religions. That's what they're trying to get you to do, and they're not getting you to really to pray. I mean to seek God and seek his face, to have that intimate time with the Lord. And I don't mind is the devil's workshop, right? We've heard this. Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, To cast down all imaginations, including that one sacred word, cast down all imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So don't blank your mind. Fill your mind with the word of God. Right? That's how we had the victory. And to know the word. Read the word. I mean, many Christians out there, many believers, you don't even know what sin is to God. You don't know what is even abominable to God. It's time we wake up. It's time that we decide to have truth. You want truth? Raise your hand if you want truth. And all those are watching online, do you want truth? Do you really want truth? If you want truth, God will give you the truth. And it won't be liked by you. Because the truth hurts. All right, so contemplative prayer. The definition is Christian mysticism. Contemplative prayer of contemplation is a form of prayer distinct from vocal prayer. It's a recitation, a recitation excuse me, of words and from meditation in the strict sense. Methodical prayer, a form of mental prayer. In lengthy meditation, mind and imagination and other faculties are actively employed in an effort to understand our relationship with God. It's really not that at all. They're not trying to get you to have an intimate relationship with the Lord. They're trying to get you to blank your mind, to visualize things that you desire, that you want. That's what they do. In contemplative prayer, contemplation has been described as a gaze of faith, a silent love. Contemplative prayer begins with centering prayer. In other words, remember that little bendy? The centering prayer, opening the pineal gland, that's what they're trying to do. It's mysticism, trying to get that, that third eye opened up. That's what they're trying to teach you. So in these prayer houses, be careful. Contemplative prayer begins with centering prayer. A meditative practice where the practitioner focuses on a word and repeats the word over and over and over again. Is this of God? No. The purpose is to clear one's mind of outside concerns so that God's voice may be more easily heard. 
wrong is so that the more the people will be able to hear the devils, the demonic forces speaking. After the centering prayer, oh, now, now you, I, I know some of you are going, oh, but I felt the presence of God. No, you did not. You felt a seductive spirit come in. And a seductive, seducing spirit is hard to remove from you. After the centering prayer, the practitioner is to sit still, listen for direct guidance from God, and feel his presence. So it's all about feeling. That's not the Holy Spirit. It's not about feeling anything. Matter of fact, you have control when you speak in tongues and when you don't. You choose. If you can't choose, then a devil's taken over. Contemplative prayer by design focuses on having a mystical experience with God. This is what they're teaching in Christian prayer houses. In Isaiah 47, 13, says, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsel, that now the astrologers, the stargazers, the monthly prognosticators, said that messed up last time too, psychics, stand up and save thee from these things that shall come upon thee. And then Isaiah 47, 14 says, Behold, they shall be a stubble, the fire shall burn them. So if these things are being practiced in the church, these churches, the people, they're going to be destroyed. Going to be destroyed. They're about to be revealed to the world, I pray, in the name of Jesus. I pray that everyone that's teaching these things from the pulpit and allowing it to go across the globe will be revealed and that the truth will come out. That's what we want. Don't become as stubble. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. If you get in the word, if you listen to the true teachers of the word, the true prophets of God, the true apostles of God, they're going to guide and direct you into a correction. They're going to guide and direct you to reproof and instruction to know what's righteousness. Again, Christians don't know what's righteous before our God. It's time to know what righteousness is all about. 17 says that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished, furnished into all good works. Now you can see the name of this place on your screen. This is what they teach. Meditation is an activity of one spirit by reading. Contemplation is a spontaneous activity of that spirit. And meditation, man's imaginative thinking power, exerts some effort. Contemplation then follows to relieve man of all effort. Relieves you of all effort. Is there effort when you're praying? Do you want the demons to take over? No. Contemplation is the soul's inward vision and the heart's simple response is God. in God. The Bible, though, instructs us to pray with our minds and with understanding. 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says, What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with the understanding also. They're teaching Christian mythology. They practice what is known as centering or contemplative prayer. Now, some of you are going, but I've been there. It was awesome. I don't care if you felt something. That does not mean it was God. It's time to repent and not go back and not support. That's what you're supposed to do. Get away from the wickedness. This is defined as the practice of relaxing, emptying the mind, and letting oneself find the presence of God within. 
They're trying to make you to become thinking that you're a god. That's the goal. To make you think that you're so wonderful that you're a god. I get so upset with these so-called prophets out there. Pink hair, whatever hair. No hair. Doesn't matter. They're trying to say, oh, the glory's all over me. Shut up. So what they're trying to say is the Shekinah is all over me. Shut up. You're leading people to devils. To You're leading people to the pit of hell. It's time to stop listening to the lying signs and wonders. And just because they seem so spiritual, just because they seem so, have so much glory around them, that's not God. That is not God. Anyway. Christian mythology is the practice of what is centering contemplative prayer. It's the finest the practice of relaxing, emptying the mind, and oneself finding the presence within, which is they're trying to get you to say, I'm a God. Now, this is what they're also saying. That Jesus is not coming until the body cross globally, globally is crying out, Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Not scriptural. They don't just say, come and forgive me. They're crying out of the understanding of who they are as the one that is cherished by Jesus in the bridal identity. I'm so special to God that I know he's going to come because I'm just saying come. Problem. Um, mystical term, only if you follow their idea of dominion now theology will you be a part of the bride of Christ. That's what they think. Because I want them to repent. I want them to ask forgiveness. I want them to say, I've taught you wrong. It's time all those associated with you to stop doing what you're doing and speak the truth, Amen. the truth, the word of God. This came from, uh, well, we'll see here in just a minute. But mystics, this is what he says. These are his words. Mystics is a legitimate term. I don't want to fight the war, so I'm just going to say contemplative prayer. But I mean the mystics. Even here, I say, let's just stay with the contemplatives. I don't have time to argue, so I'll call them contemplative. Contempl- Contemplatives. I don't want to go into semantics, the debate, so I'm calling it contemplatives. I don't have time to argue, but I need the mystics. They are some of the brightest lights in all of history. There have been the brightest lights in all of history for men and women of abandonment in the dark ages. Somewhere we have to stay in the, say in the dark ages, we were, they, were, they were luminaries in the grace of God. They were Catholic priests. Everyone in the body of Christ is called to live lives of contemplative prayer. Everybody's called to live the contemplative lifestyle. Everyone, everyone, everyone. That's one of the greatest strongholds we have to overcome. Resistance to contemplative prayer is what I'm saying. Contemplative prayer, you've got to get over that hurdle. Prophesying it. <laughs> hurdle, one, we've got to understand it's for everybody. Everybody's called to fullness, contemplative prayer. We're all going to go into this thing. That's their desire. And they have many and the so-called prophets that have followed around them. So sorry, I'm stepping on people's toes. No, I'm not. I want you to get free. I want you to be free. Don't attack me. Receive the truth. We're going to watch this video. Oh, oh the Lord is so good. Um, just when the awakening broke out, we were made to come here. You were made to come here. Well, not on the Wednesday. We all came because it was our Sabbath, and we were all excited. So we came to see what was going on, and I've never seen anything like this before or even heard about it, and I didn't know that the Lord could work like this. 
Um, so you you're... never did this kind of thing before? No. Had you ever seen it before? Mm, no. You've never seen this kind of manifestation of the Holy Spirit? That that's not through. the Holy Spirit. That's yeah. Kundalini. No. You no, you never had. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then... Because you haven't stopped shaking since you've been on the platform. At, before the platform. She was sitting over there shaking for the last two hours. Yeah. So this is all last two like hours. The last two months, this is brand new to you, what the Lord is doing. Yeah. Should have stayed so there. So did I, by the way. I grew up in a Methodist. So did I. <laughs> by the way, at the, uh, at the International House of Prayer, there's a room where they are perpetually praying 24 hours a day. Again, uh, eschatology involved. Now, you've been mentioning, Dr. MacArthur, the Kundalini uh, part of Hinduism. Andrew Strom happens to be a charismatic, and he put together a very concerned expose on what's going on. This is clip number six about Kundalini. Now this all began with Rodney Howard Brown imparting a new anointing into a bunch of leaders and they spread it around the world. Here the fact, new anointing? Like wildfire. Kundalini. How do we know that Rodney Howard Brown had a pure anointing? How do we know it wasn't a Kundalini spirit from the beginning? Because it seems absolutely identical to it. Now, one of the very clearest signs of a kundalini awakening has always been these kriyas. You see this woman involved in the New Age movement. She's walking along exhibiting these kriyas happening, involuntary uh, jerking motions. And the staggering thing about it is that we are seeing again and again and again these exact same type of kriyas right through the Toronto movement. This has always been one of the clearest signs of Kundalini that we know of. Are you getting woken up yet? Everybody say, I love you, Leslie. <laughs> so I love the truth, right? You love the truth. You have to love the truth. If you're going to be a part of this ministry. You've got to love the truth. Shika, I told you in the last session to remember that word. Uh, the symbol derives its name from the double-edged sword, also called the Kanda, which appears at the center of the logo. This is what the Shika is. This double-edged sword is a metaphor of divine knowledge, as sharp edges cleaving truth from falsehood. The circle around the Kanda is the Shakar. Okay, so they want to open up the Shakas, shakas okay? Shika comes from the Indian word, which means hilltop. A known word which means peak of the mountain or the tip of the flame of a candle or the high pony worn by the Hindu priest. And Sanskrit word means peta. The sika or shika is a long tuft or lock of hair left on top or the back of a, the shaven head of a male Orthodox Hindu. It's a shikism. It's a spiritual path they depend on the mercy of the Supreme Lord at every step to pull them out of maya. So when they are drowning in Maya and only their head is out of the water, then they say the guru can then still come and pull them out comfortably by holding their head by the tuft of the head called the Sika or Shika. Shika is also like a spiritual antenna on the top of the head meant to show the Lord and that we are aspiring recipients of his causeless mercy. So you're going to hear some of these well-known ministers and they're going to call on Shika. Or Sika. Eyes being woken up yet? I pray that they are. Remember, Azrael is the angel of death. 
Though traditionally all Hindus were required to wear a shika, today it is mainly among the, the celibate monks, so that the angel Azrael is able to pull them out to he- up to heaven on the last day. Azrael may be portrayed as a residing in the third heaven, and one of his forms has four faces, 4,000 wings, and his whole body consists of eyes and tongues, and the number of which corresponds to the number of people inhabiting the earth. They say he will be the last to die, recording and erasing constantly in a large book the names of men at birth and death. He will receive the souls in the grave. Uh, surrounds the grieving and dying, this Azrael angel, the spirit of death, false angel of light, or as is, Comfort and help with transition and acknowledge as the angel of death. Support those that support people through grief process. That's who they're calling on. Azrael's loving guides us towards schooling and internships that help and heal. Archangel Azrael passes on messages from loved ones. Lie. They say that it passes on loved ones, especially via dreams or mediums. And his energy is supportive in a gentle and comforting way. Understand we're not to do necromancy. We're not to speak to the dead. Right? And by the way, your loved ones that have passed away are not angels. They weren't angels here on earth, and they certainly aren't there either. They're not coming to watch over you. Azrael, remember the cat from Smurfs? Hmm. Let's talk about... Some of you have heard this name, Lakeland Revival. Um, Also from the Toronto outpouring and things like this. This is where all this, a lot of this started. Uh, this evil, don't follow his ministry, nor they say he had repented a while back. I've checked a video on just not too long ago, less than a year ago. People are still just while he's speaking, just start laughing uncontrollably during his his ministry, during his speech reaching time. He hadn't repented. He's still releasing the kundalini. Now we're going to watch this video clip wife. I think she's still his wife, or at least at the time I was. And I'm going to have my wife, Jessa, share a dream that she had. And I'm going to tell you what God's been speaking to me about. And I believe it's the key that's going to release the greatest miracle anointing for the church. Jessa. So a couple of nights ago, I had a dream where Oral Roberts was speaking to Todd. They were, I, I didn't understand what they're saying, but I remember they were talking. And then he looked over and he saw me and he stopped and he ran over to me and he put his hands over my eyes and he said, what do you see? And so I looked and I didn't see anything at first and then all of a sudden I saw this elephant racing across my eye. And Oral Roberts said, Remember Hinduism? His hands over my eyes and said, the what elephant? do you see? And I said, I didn't see anything at first, and then all of a sudden I saw this elephant racing across my eyes, and it was it was dancing, it was going crazy, it was just it had like this Ganesha? big smile, and it was just just going crazy. And I said, "It's a a wild elephant. I see a wild elephant." And then I said, "What's what's with the elephant?" He said, "Exactly. What is it with the elephant?" And then I looked again, and in 
in that vision, what was highlighted was the trunk of the elephant. I said, it's the elephant nose. And he said, yes. And I said, it's discernment. Remember the long exactly. nose of that elephant? And then he says, do you see the lion? And I closed my eyes again, and then I saw the lion. And the lion, it was just a golden lion, and I woke up. And um, when I woke up, literally, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I just felt like the Lord was highlighting things to me about the dream. And in the dream, I thought it was pretty ironic that Oral Roberts put his hands on, he covered my eyes and said, what do you see? And I thought that was interesting because he's covering my eyes. What do you see? And I felt like the Lord was saying that, that even more so now for the church today, we need to walk by faith and not by sight. What do you see? You know, I didn't see anything at first until I really looked and I pressed in, you know, and I saw the wild elephant. And so when the elephant came running in and I said, what is it with it? So it's almost like, what's with walking by faith? How do you walk by faith and not by sight? By discerning the times and the seasons, just like the sons of Ishkar, discerning. That's what gives you hope when you're walking through a hard time and you're, you know, walk by faith when everything around you looks dark and dim. Is discerning the times and seasons by getting a hope from God. Um, whew, getting... Getting a hope from God. Hear the snake sound? To be able to see, to discern the times and the seasons that's ahead of you. And the thing about the elephant, it wasn't just an ordinary elephant. It was a wild elephant. A wild elephant. It was radical, 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 radical. And the elephant means a great impact. And Listen to what, like what uh, her husband says at the was end. It's just a beginning. It's just an introduction. It's just an introduction. Just a table of contents of what's to come. And I felt like the great impact is greater, greater, greater. It's the great impact. And the greatest impact that you can have is bringing the kingdom of God to earth. It's a given an encounter of Jesus Christ to every single person. That's the greatest impact we can have. The great impact is the great revival. It's the great harvest. Whew, and it's going to be wild, wild. It's going to be much greater than it was before. Much greater. And the next thing, the last thing about the dream is once, once we as a church pray for revival and seek revival, that it becomes a lifestyle, just like Tom was saying, a lifestyle, not just something we contend for we want, but a lifestyle that we live in a culture of revival, then boldness is released upon the church. And that was the lion. When he said, do you see the lion? Because we need the wild elephant first before we can get the lion. And then the, where the boldness of the church is released. Did you see her pull her head? Sheikah. Shika. My wife's got some wildfire. Shika. She also pulled her hair. That. Not of the Lord. No. Not of God. Also, if you want revival, it means people are falling on their face, asking forgiveness, and say, I repent before you, Lord. That's revival. It is not about coming together and feeling good and praising God and saying all these, getting seduced by these spirits. That's not revival. That's what they want. Revival means something horrible has happened. Revival means that the body of Christ is coming together and saying, Forgive me, Lord. That's revival. We used to go and speak, you know, like, Crusades and conferences and 
And every city we'd go to across the nation, inevitably someone would come up and say, such a pro- such and so prophet came here and says, revival begins here. And after about the fifth time, I was like, well, I guess the bombs land here first then. That's what revival is. Am I telling the truth here, church? That's what's revival. Not a feel-good, look-at-the-lying-signs-of-wonders type of revival. December the 18th, 2009, one week before Christmas, he says that his wife had a conversation with such and such. I'm just going to not read the names out loud. It was really necromancy. The dream contained her, her husband and these others with an elephant and a golden lion. She conveyed that she had a dream where he's talking to her husband. And she says, this wasn't an ordinary elephant. There's her head thrashes back and forth. Right? That's kundalini happening. Do not think that that is the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Because that's a kundalini. It's time now to realize, I've been thinking this is the Holy Spirit, and it's time now to repent and say, Get out of me! Get out of me, you kundalini evil spirit. I'll not let you take over me anymore. I want the true infilling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They talk about what happened in Lakeland, etc. That it was people walking around barking like dogs, being pulled around by the, the wives, pulling their husbands around by a tie. Let me tell you something. You know, the Holy Spirit, you've heard this before. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not going to set you up to be so embarrassed. That ain't going to happen. I mean, deliverance, things happen. I get that. But when the whole place, the whole place, is they're laughing uncontrollably, someone says, well, wasn't that just them being delivered? No, they loved it. They sought after it. They were jealous that somebody over here was barking like a dog, and they weren't. They wanted the kundalini. And they were allowing people to to lay hands on them. If I see that happening in one of my meetings, what do you think I'm going to do? Just go, oh, wow, that's cool. No, I'm going to kick it out of them. Right? We're going to stop it right there, and then we're going to say, get out of her. Get out of him in the name of Jesus. Set him free. Kick him out. And if the person goes, fine. But that devil's not going to be operating in my presence. Not going to happen. Now, what does the lion signify? She says we need to live in a lifestyle of revival. Again, they want the seductive type spirit. Causes boldness, as they say, she says, which represents the lion. But you've got to have the wild elephant first. That's why their heads are shaking back and forth. I mean, I don't know how she didn't have whiplash. You remember, she could hear it. She hissed like a snake. Now, this came from comments about the, the, from this video. They said, people, think about it. If God gave her that dream and his spirit was leading her to share with the congregation, why on earth would all wise God then try to break her neck while she delivers it? The Holy Ghost does not try to give you brain damage. This other person says, if someone says that whatever that twitch she had is God, they're right. The God of this earth at present, the prince of the power of the air, Satan. That's probably why she kept making this out. Because he's the prince of the air, Satan is. There's also a snake. People that fall for this, I feel sorry for. 
When a person is hissing as they speak, it's a pretty big sign that's not of God. Just saying. Here was the Hinduism gods right here, Indra, but also that other one. Um, I don't know if I put it on here. But the Ganesha, the, wild, the long trunk, which everybody goes to that Ganesha first for prayer, right? And they also, this Durga was the one that this, the line was on. Uh, he also at the end, did you hear him call out, Sika? Yeah, I'm not making this up. She pulls it up like this. Represents the fire from the top of the head, causing the angel Azrael. The Sika allows God to pull one from heaven or from his material world, Amaya. Amaya meant wisdom and extraordinary power. See, that's what they're seeking. They're seeking these demonic powers. And they are very strong powers. And they mimic God's power. And people can even seem to have been healed. Satan will heal them just because... He can because he has power just to get the person to follow him. Sika allows God to easily, they say, pull one to paradise. Sika is in Diwali. Diwali is the festival of lights, the row of lamps. This happens, you know, in, um, in um, India, other places. It's lighting the... Small clay lamps filled with oil to signify the triumph of good over evil, which is not true. Uh, also, you remember the movie um, Tangled? Was it Tangled? Yeah? Yep. Right? Where they let, they let the, the lamps go, the, the festival lights. So they were, she was trying to find, come back to find her way or her true love or something like that. Huh? Trying to find her parents because they they left her. It was it's that's all. I mean, we have you know, children watch things. We as 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 Christians as wise parents need to say. I mean, it's one thing to have creativity going on in the mind, but it's another thing if you don't explain to them. That's not exactly the truth, there, child. That's very demonic. I know you're enjoying the movie. Watch it with them. Tell them this is not a god right here. Explain to them, right? I mean, if you say, we can never watch it. We're not going to ever watch it. We're not going to do this. We're not going to do that. Guess what when they get out of the house? Or they're going to go to somebody else's house. Guess what they're going to do? It's better to watch it with you and you explain to them. This uh, happened uh, about a year ago because he was kicked out for a while. And actually, he went with, for what I've been heard, he went with this other guy. Read what I have on the screen. <laughs> this was, he's, he went with, apparently for a while, this initials JC, and it's not Jesus Christ, by the way, um, which is this other guy. He's so evil, so evil, teaches mysticism in the church. So they, they ganged up. They were doing things for a while. Uh, but he's coming back, this guy, uh, to... Returning to ministry, um, but it says, this person says, this is not good because approximately one year after a team of evangelist leaders declared him not qualified for leadership due to credible allegations of ungodly, immoral behavior, including predatory sexual activity. Yeah. Then we have, you know, Catholics, 
You know, I've met some Catholics that really did truly love Jesus as their Lord. They really do. But they still are trying to, they're still following after these pagan practices. So it's time to stop, don't you think? Um, you know, like the light candle, like light candles during Mass, uh, the vigil lights, you know, praying for something in particular or for someone. Uh, the votive candles indicate that someone's praying about something particular either for themselves or on behalf of someone else. You know, the word votive can also refer to a promise to pray for someone. You know, Jesus is the one that heals, right? He's the true deliverer. He's the true God. And that's who we should call upon. That's who has the ultimate power. Spiritism is forbidden. In Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12 says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations which is what we've brought here to our nation. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his sons or daughters to pass through the fire or useth divination or observer of times or an enchanter or a witch. We already saw that what passing through the fire, not a god, a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or necromancer, not a god. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God hath thrown them out from before thee. Now you have to remember, you're going to say that this kundalini wake, it feels sometimes like him. It feels like a cool or even a warm breeze across the palms of the hands or the soles of the feet. Mimics the Holy Spirit in so many ways. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, it says, Be strong and have good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he, is, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Should you repent today, which I suggest you do, he'll not leave you. He'll not forsake you. Psalms 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. 31, 24 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. 28, 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are what? We are the ones that are bold as a lion. Ephesians 3, 12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Remember, when they're truly operating with the Lord, the gifts of calling of God are without repentance. Could it be that some of these that I'm showing you started off correct? Yes. They can come back. I wouldn't let them back, but apparently God will let them come back because they have gifts and they have callings. But I want them to come back and repent. And tell the nation and tell the other nations what they've done. Be not deceived. In Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 through 21. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one another in the fear of God. I said this last time. Make sure you have the reverent fear of God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and 34 it says, Be not deceived. Evil communication corrupt good manners. Awake. Awake, church. Awake, church. Awake, church. Awake to righteousness. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. And I speak this to your shame. 
Again, I know that this is a grieving process. I understand that this is a grieving process. I have worked with others that have said, couldn't let me get out of me. And they grieved because they had to start over, they believe. That's fine. Why not? Start over with the Holy Spirit. Seek his power, not the powers from these demonic seducing spirits, these fallen angels. I also have others that say, no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to accept what they've done is wrong. I'm not ready to believe that these are lies that they've been teaching me. I'm not ready because I felt the presence of God there. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You don't know who the Holy Spirit is if you felt that. Because the Holy Spirit would have told you, get out. So you were seduced in there. Seduced by a lying spirit. It's time to ask forgiveness. It's time to be delivered and set free. Do you want to be set free in here? Do you want to be set free that are watching online? Raise your hands out and be set free. The Lord will heal your heart and your mind. And believe me, it's better to know the truth and walk in obedience with God. Now, I encourage you all online, anybody here, if you've been involved with any of these ministries, anything, if you've been to some kind of, quote-unquote, revival, where it was the presence of God was there, which it really wasn't, write down all the ministries you've been involved with, your new apostolic reformation, dominion now, kingdom now, lying signs and wonders, or any person that you've had lay hands on you, maybe at that place, or whether you were in contact with someone that was in that place, or you have a, an acquaintance that was in contact with someone in that place that has laid hands on you and prayed for you, or whether you've even given in an offering to these places. If you've read a book or any such thing that was an abomination unto our God, the living one. So pray with me. It's time to repent, church. It's time to get right with God. It's time to find out what are abominations. It's time to find out what is pleasing to God and what is not pleasing to God. It's time to find out what is true righteousness. What is righteousness? What are really good morals? What is sin and what is not sin? Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, the true Savior and King of the world, the righteous judge. Forgive me for being deceived. I renounce and ask forgiveness for allowing the kundalini spirit in me or any other new age occultic spirit. Take your right hand, you're going to sever it. And I sever their ungodly ties with me. Cleanse me now from this abominable sin. Open my eyes. Open my ears. Give me spiritual understanding to discern good and evil. In Jesus' name, amen. If you repented, if you've walked out of that, let me know. Email, contact, spiritofprophecychurch.com. Anyone here, if you need prayer, extra prayer, I'll pray for you. But it's time to come out of this mess. It's time to realize God is showing us truth. He is showing us. But yet because these names are well known, some of them, we tend to think that they're speaking truth. And they're not.
I pray they repent. I pray they come back to righteousness. I pray that they come back to the true one living God. That's what I pray. And then they can set many free because they come back to the truth. Instead of them seeing so drunk that they can't even talk. Instead of them seeing like their heads are thrashing so fast back and forth that they're getting whiplashes. Isn't it amazing that nothing happens to them when they do that? If you're to be a minister, if you want to know how to speak with a boldness, if you want to know how to put a message together, if you have a prophetic calling on your life, and I'm not talking about just prophesying, because like I said earlier, if you have a ministry and you call yourself a prophet and all you do is prophesy, it is a short-lived ministry. God wants you to be equipped to be able to, to lay hands on the sick, see them recover. He wants you to be equipped to put a message together. He wants you to be equipped to know what the Word of God says. He wants you to be equipped to know what the dreams and visions when they're from God and when they're not from God. That's what He wants. So I encourage you to sign up for Train the Prophets. There's a conference coming. April the 21st is when registration is and when we make our anointing oil. That's when we're going to do that. Then Stan will speak that night on April 21st. Then the actual conference starts the morning of the 22nd. Come. It's time that you sign up and quit sitting on the fence whether you should pay and come. You know that you're supposed to come and be trained and equipped. You know that you're supposed to sacrifice maybe your work schedule. You know that you're supposed to come. And then you pray and say, Lord, give me provision to be able to come. Again, that's Thursday, April the 21st, and it starts on the 22nd through the 24th. It'll teach you how to lead someone to the Lord, basic things, baptize the Holy Spirit, how to get a message to teach from the pulpit, how to take an offering, and so forth. Go to prophecyclub.com or you can go to traintheprophets.com. And you go to traintheprophets.com, sign up, click on like and share, subscribe. Start subscribing to Train the Prophets. Lots of teaching on there. Again, sign up for School of the Prophets, Train the Prophets Conference. And if you're part of the church here, there's a special prize for you. You can see Sharonda to sign up. Also, if you'd like to become a ministry member with the Spirit of Prophecy Church, there's a form that you can fill out and get to us. In other words, you're saying, I'm going to partake in your ministry. That means you're going to receive the blessings as we receive blessings from the Lord because you're partaking in a ministry that we desire to bring truth to. Click on like and share and subscribe. And also you can donate by clicking on the link below. Again, if you have questions or if you've been free is what I really want to hear or you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, that's what I really want to hear. And contact at spiritprophecychurch.com and let me know. God bless each one of you that you've endured this sound doctrine. The truth will make you free. God bless. <laughs>